Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So my name is uh, Boog and I'm one of the pastors here, one of the leaders. And here... Tyler, you just love being up here on the front. You're not leading worship this morning. You just, just want people to see you. This is Tyler Payne. Leads worship here a lot. And I saw him walk ushering as well. One of the things we say about our leaders here is that we can tell who the leaders are because they're, the, they're the ones that take out the trash. And what we mean by that is that they're the ones that will get their hands dirty. So Tyler looked around, saw there was no usher. He's like, I'm in. And yet, he's usually the, the pretty guy up here that does worship. So, he does it all. He's pretty, and he takes out the trash. So, we tell you here at Branches that it's very important to not lose sight of what we're trying to do. And what we're trying to do is follow Christ. And in the model that Christ set up um, and followed through with Paul and Peter and the other apostles is that everyone has a Paul someone that is, is kind of their pastor that is they're apprenticing a, a under, then everyone will have a Barnabas, a good friend that they can walk alongside. And then everyone should have a Timothy that's someone they can pour into. I would have feminized all those names, but they don't all really feminize well. Paulina goes well. Timothy, not so well. And Barnabas, no clue. So it's for males and females. We have someone that we apprentice with and we, we learn from them, not, a, just a, not only about just following Christ, but about how to live. Um, then we have our, our friends that we walk alongside, and then we have those that we pour into. And we need to have all three to have a balance. And so I want to introduce to you this morning my Paul, someone that I asked to be a mentor to me, and it's Michael. And Michael, um, the way it works with mentors, sometimes you're with them all the time, and sometimes you just check in. But he has walked with me, and um, until he uh, fires me or cuts me off, I will continue to turn to him to be a mentor. And so I want you to hear uh, from my mentor this morning, Michael Bischoff. Timothy, thank you so much. Dude, I'm just so glad that you're here with us. You guys love Boog as your pastor? Um, yeah, I get to see the book behind the scenes uh, and his heart for you as a shepherd who cares for people in this church, and he loves you guys so much, and I know you love him back, so I've missed you guys. It's been too long. It's been like a year. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Dar Darlene and I, were here last Easter, Boog's first sermon back, and we haven't been here since, so we've been on the project uh, out in San Gabriel Valley in San Dimas, and I'm like, God, bring me back to Dana Point, please. Been out in San Gabriel way too long. So when Book City was doing this Ephesians series, it sounded like a good time to be able to jump in and hang out and spend some time together. So um, yeah, can I just pray for us this morning? Father, thank you for a chance to look at your word, to be with your people, and to be able to just look up and around and realize your kingdom surrounds us. You have so much goodness you bless us with. Help us not to pay um, attention to other things so that we miss that goodness. God, and today, I pray that we would get back to some things that maybe we've forgotten and maybe learn some things that we've never known before as we look at the letter to the Ephesians. Help us to learn. Help us to be teachable. Help us to walk in you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, hopping into this series, you're a few weeks into it, and uh, Ephesians is a letter in the Bible that I love. It's in the New Testament. If you need a Bible, I think I'm supposed to say at this point, if you need a Bible, raise your hand and someone's going to pass it out to you. You still do that, right? Anybody need a Bible, raise your hand and someone's going to make sure you get that. Somebody, somebody's looking around. Anybody need a Bible? Okay. If you don't, or open to Ephesians, click in your device, whatever you do to move over. Ephesians. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 5, 15 to 20 specifically, but I'm going to hop around a little bit and kind of warm up on some things. So the title of this message is Making the Most of Every Opportunity. Making the Most of Every Opportunity, and hopefully it'll be something that'll be helpful to you and something that you remember as well. Um, we all like getting letters uh, most of us don't get hard copy letters anymore, right, where you go to the mailbox. Any of you like mail? Like you wait for the mail and you go? I, I do. I, I go, we have two mailboxes, one at our house and one that's locked up because you can't trust anybody with your credit card statements anymore. So I get two mailboxes to go to and to look forward to what is coming because someone's sending that to you. And we even know now that when you get something, it creates something in your brain, right? It's called a dopamine drip. One of those neurotransmitters actually activates and when someone sends you something, and that's true whether it's a text or an email or a hard copy letter, you feel special. You feel important. You feel like, wow, I matter. And that's what it means to get a letter. Ephesians in the New Testament was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this city. Uh, and actually, it was kind of a, a spread out deal um, where there were multiple kind of house churches, we might call them today, smaller churches that were spread around the city of Ephesus. And this letter is about what it's like to be the church. Not to go to church, which is a phrase we probably use too much because you can't go to church. You know that, right? You can't go to church. This is not a church because you are the church. The church is not a building, the church is not an event, the church is not a time, the church is a group of people, and that's really, really important to understand. So it's so important to be able to understand what it means to uh, receive something that's a letter from someone. So now here's something that's important to understand. Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, was written to the city in Ephesus. It's an actual place. It's a real city. In fact, here's my wife Darlene and I in Ephesus. Really cool place. If you ever get a chance to go, okay, in modern-day Turkey, it was a real city, and it was a significant city at that, okay? Here is one of the walkways, probably the main thoroughfare, the main street in the city of Ephesus that had tons of stuff going on in it. Uh, lots of activity going around, lots of commerce, lots of trade, lots of religion and worship and all kinds of things that were going on. Here we're standing in front of the library, which is one of the most famous pictures today. If you look at the city of Ephesus, what that looks like. It doesn't look like much of a library today, but probably pretty amazing back in its time of what things looked like way back then. Here's one of the theaters. They would seat thousands of people. And one of the ways you knew kind of how much population there was in a city was by the size of the theater. The city probably had 10 times the amount of people that a theater would seat. So if a theater might seat like this one, 5,000, something like that, times it times 10, and the population was probably 50,000 people, something like that. And I share those pictures not because I needed to show you home movies from Michael and Darlene, um, which could be a little bit boring, but because sometimes we forget that the places that are written about in Scripture are real places with real people that had real struggles, just like we have today. 
And that's an important thing to understand, that it really was a real place. Ephesians is six chapters, and right in the middle, we come to Ephesians 4, verse 1. And that's a significant verse. If you've got your Bible, turn over there, because I think it's something, if you've got a hard copy Bible, you might even want to write in there and write a couple things down. Because Paul says this, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, let me read it one more time because it's such a significant verse. And you might want to even underline that word worthy or circle it. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, you say, doesn't sound too significant. Why is that so significant? That's because in Scripture there, the word worthy is this Greek word axios. Axios. It's a word we get axiom from today or axiomatic, okay? And literally this word worthy, everything in the whole book hinges on this one word, okay? Really, it's a, there's a picture within the word. It's a word picture. It's a metaphor, and axios was a set of balancing scales, a set of balancing scales. And so we don't use these much today, but most of us are familiar with a balancing scale and what that might look like, right? Picture back in the city of Ephesus. If you were to go to market and you were to buy some flour or something, and you were to say, uh, I want a pound of flour, please. How would you know what that was? Well, they might put it on a scale like this. And then on the other side, they might have lead. And they knew that a pound of lead was this amount, so they'd put that on the other side. They'd be able to put the flour or whatever you were buying, and the two would come into balance, right? Okay? That's this concept that we're talking about right here, okay? Those two things would then have the same value, or they'd have the same weight, if you will, on that scale. Those things are different as lead and flour, but they fit. That make sense? Keep that picture in your mind because here's something really significant, okay? Here's something that the Apostle Paul does in this letter as he uses this word. He takes this concept of God's calling and our living and he sticks them on the scales, okay? These items need to be in balance. God's calling in human living. Now, here's what's happening in the letter of the Ephesians. If you're reading the book of Ephesians, and I hope you are, I hope during the series you're taking some time to read that book. It's only six chapters, not very long. You can do it in one sitting. Maybe you want to read it a number of times and just sit and listen and meditate on it. In the first half of it, the first three chapters is where Paul talks about God's calling. In the second three chapters is where he talks about our living, the way we live things out. Living responsibly to God's calling, living congruent with the way that God calls us into being. And then there's this scale that holds them in balance, and that's what helps you to know what's, what does it mean to be mature? What does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to be robust? So this balancing scale centers the whole letter. So that word worthy in that verse, Ephesians 4.1 is this scale, this balance right in the center of the letter that sets it up to say, hey, God's called you to something significant. Are you going to live like it? Or are you just going to say, that was nice, God. Nice words. Thank you for it. And then kind of go your own way. This is a call right here to our lives, a call to be able to be something different and do something with your life. 
Let me expand on this just a little bit more. The Hebrew word for Bible is this word mikra, mikra, and it's a noun formed from the word to call, to call. That lets us know the Bible is not a book to read for information about God. It's a voice to listen to. Let me say that one more time. The Bible's not about information, and we mess that up, right? Because sometimes we look at this Bible and we're like, oh, I just don't know enough. I just need to learn more about this Bible, and if I just knew more, then I'd have it all figured out. It's not the way that it works, okay? It's not about knowledge. It's about being and understanding and listening to the voice of God. The Bible is not a word to be read and looked at and discussed. It's a word to be listened to and obeyed. It's a word that gets us going. It's a call. It's a call. When you've got a Bible, whether that's a hard copy version or on your phone or your tablet or whatever it is you use, that's a call to you to be something different, someone different. Book's been doing a good job helping you know as a church that it's not just about you living an individual Christian life either, right? Because you can go try to do that, live the Christian life on your own, and there's a big fail waiting at the end of that. We have to be called to do it together, live together as a church, as a community, and to depend on each other. It's not about I, it's about we. It's about us. It's about a community, and we're called to be a community that does something with all of this. In fact, Technically, this is all over Ephesians. I wanted to just look at a few uh, sections from the first three chapters, this call that God calls us to. Pay attention to these words and soak it in, okay? These were real words written to real people, and they're written to us today. Paul says this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Do you know that? You're blessed in the heavenly realms? You might not feel it, but you are. With every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure, with his pleasure and will. That's like you were an orphan. You had no parents, but you were predestined to be adopted. And God said, I want you. That's you. Do you believe that? That's part of your call. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with his riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's a lot of call. You feel it? That's about you. You're called to all those things. If that's not enough, he goes on. In chapter 2, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Now, some of us feel those transgressions more than others, okay? We've walked in a life that was full of a lot of badness, a lot of evil, a lot of sin, a lot of gunk. But God said, no, I've got grace for you. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Are you feeling called yet? He's talking to you. You're called to these things. You have to soak them in. Okay, we're going way too fast. I'm reading them way too fast. You need to really take your Bible this week and go and look at Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Read some of these passages and just say, this is spoken to me. This is my calling. 
to be this. Let me read one more, Ephesians 3.16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. A lot of you might be like me, and you've got a little bit more of a scarcity mentality. Not a lot of access to riches there. Um, this is like the abundance mentality verse. God's got all these riches, and he wants you to know he's called you to live in them and be blessed by them so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Three huge passages. You need to soak that in. Soak it in. Not easy to do. Let me talk for a second about this. Um, the response to calling, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, is this word that Paul uses a number of times, walking. Walking. Peripateo is the word. It's this, it's this sense of getting out and not staying stuck and not just living in your head and not having a poor self-image and not being all mopey and Eeyore-like but realize you've got a call to go do something, to walk in it. Can I ask for a little participation here, just to make sure that you're awake? Um, I'm going to ask you to do some things, okay? Follow my instructions. Everybody follow my instructions, okay? Pay attention. Everyone stand. Everyone sit. Everyone raise your hand. Good job, class. Doing well. Everyone clap. Okay, good. Thanks. Okay, now, listen carefully. Second set of instructions. Only some of you stand. Okay? Um, some of you turn around. few of you clap. Okay, everybody sit down. Now, what, does this, what did that second part feel like compared to the first part? Anyone? Stressful? A little more stressful, right? What, any other words come to mind, the second part? Anxious. A little more anxiety, like, what's he going to ask me to do? And I'm kind of doing it alone, and should I do it? Should I be the one who wants to stand up? Or maybe not. Maybe I'll stay sitting. Do I turn around? Do I raise my hand? Kind of weird, right? The first one, everybody did it together. You did it all as a body. You did it all as one. The second one is like, some people are doing it. Some people are not doing it. Catch this. They were not balanced. You were not balanced. There was no balance in it, okay? There was a call, but there wasn't equal action to that call. Only some of you were doing it. In something as simple as a few instructions, did you feel that lack of, picture the scale again. There was no axios. There was no balance. The calling and the living weren't equal. Church, when you're called to do something, we go do it together. When some of us don't do it, you just miss out on the blessing of not being a part of that. When the calling and the walking are in equilibrium, when they're in balance, we are worthy and we are balancing the scales. Okay? Does that make sense? 
Back to this verse, Ephesians 4.1, Eugene Peterson, the way he paraphrases this in the message, and I love this. He says this, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. There's the walking. Better yet, run. I love that. Don't just walk. Run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. That's what we're called to do. There's this phrase, the knowing-doing gap. I, I heard illustration this week about a company, uh, an electric company that was involved with deregulation, and they had hired a consultant firm to come in and help them with this because they had some massive problems, and they didn't know how to accomplish it. So they literally had paid millions of dollars to do research and reports and study and bring consultants in to figure out their problems so they could achieve the desired results. Part of the process of this consultant firm, this true story, that they called in was the consultant firm, after working with them for many months, realized that there were some major problems that weren't going well, and this company just wasn't seeing any change to it. But one day in an office in the building of the company where they were doing consulting, they found a book, about 500 pages, a report, I guess I should call it, and it was covered with dust, and they pulled it off the shelf blew the dust off this report, and in the report was everything that this same consulting firm was telling the company to do, but this report had been written five years earlier, and they didn't do any of it. The current consulting company reviewed everything in that report, and they said, we agree with every one of those recommendations. If you just did that, your company would be fine. Yet they went around the circle again and spent, what, another set of millions of dollars to try to figure out their problem. The problem wasn't in knowing. It was in doing. It was in implementation, right? We all had this sense of knowing what to do. Here's the question, guys. Do we do it? You're called. Do you live into the call? Do you know how to do it together? So that was introduction. So now look at the passage today for what we're going to look at, okay? So Ephesians 5.15, we're not going to spend a long time here, but this is so good, okay? If you can pay attention now to just a few verses that I want you to take away today of what Paul says. Because in Ephesians 5, he gets to the place where he says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, you say, what does he mean by unwise? I think a picture is worth a thousand words, so not as unwise. <laughs> what do you think, unwise or wise? Yeah? It's amazing what people do and the predicaments they get themselves into. Not as unwise. Let's crawl down the pole. How does that even happen? I don't know. That's a lot of fun. For the picture, let's swing the babies. <laughs> oh, hopefully they bounce. Not as unwise. This one might be a little harder to see. Do you see these guys sitting in a pool? Can you see like the surge protector power strip that's floating on a couple of fins in the middle of the pool in stupidity? Mother's nature's way of thinning the herd. <laughs> Yeah, let's get electricity out to the middle of the pool. 
while we sit in it. That just had to make me laugh. Uh, so Paul's got this verse, right? Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now here's a question. How many of you get up in the morning and, and you're thinking, how unwise can I be today? How stupid can I be? What's the stupidest thing I can do today? Anybody? You actually think that? We don't, we don't do that, right? Um, now here's a real question, not rhetorical. What gets in the way of wisdom? What gets in the way of being wise? Any thoughts? Can I just shout it out? Oh, that was good. A lot of you answered all at the same time. Um, let me do this by hand because you said some good things. Your own will, your own desire, right? Yeah. Say it again. Bad habits, the way we're used to doing things, right? Emotions, of feelings get in the way. The crowd, what other people are doing. Experience, we've always done it that way before, okay? All these things get in the way, and we want to be wise, I believe, okay? You guys do, you wouldn't be showing up at a church service at 9 o'clock in the morning, Figure out there's got to be some wisdom somewhere in a group of people that are trying to be followers of Jesus. That's wisdom. But we get stuck, right? We get distracted. We don't want to do unwise. We don't want to do stupid things, but sometimes we do. Paul goes on in the next verse, and he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So here's a little hint. If you want to move away from unwise and move toward wise, what do you do with that? You have to make the most of every opportunity. Now, some translations translate that, making the most of the time. And the word time there is the word kairos, okay? It's this quality of time. A different kind of time where you have to live into it in order to get the value out of it. Wisdom looks for ways to make the most of every opportunity. This is how you fulfill your calling and every day be faithful to walking. Walking in the way Paul says to walk, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, okay? You were called to be wise, so start walking like that. Look for ways to make the most of every opportunity. Now, that's the question I really want you to go away with this morning. Every day, every single day, you're presented with an opportunity. Don't know what it is. We all have different opportunities. And we as a body need each other to help discern what those opportunities are and to talk about them and to pray for each other and to support each other and often to do those things together because we're not very good doing them alone. But if you pay attention and you realize you're in the midst of real unwise times, and you might need to make the most of every opportunity, what could that look like? How many of you watched this year CNN Heroes? Just curious. Any of you watch CNN Heroes? Not many people have TV anymore, but a few of you out there watch CNN. I think this is one of the most positive things that happens all year in terms of television, because it's the one time during the year that you can turn on TV and there's good news rather than bad news. Or you can look at news, and it's interesting CNN does this, but it's news that's significant. Here's a picture of the 2016 Hero of the Year, Jason Aristizabel. And Jason spent the last 15 years working to change the perceptions that people have about physical and cognitive disabilities and give young people with disabilities a brighter future. He grew up in one of the poorest areas of Columbia, and he has cerebral palsy. 
Um, and he fought his entire life to overcome the obstacles that were in his way. He has an organization, and he provides a range of services that help transform the lives of nearly 3,000 young people with disabilities. He was accepting his award, and he had to speak, speak Spanish, and through the translator, he said this. He said, I can't believe it. Hello to Colombia. Hello to all the families who have a child with a disability. I want to tell you that, yes, you can. You can dream. You can achieve your dreams. I want to say hello to all my CNN heroes and colleagues. God bless you. There's more work to do. Now, if someone like that, as he limped up on stage and struggled to speak, and I'm sure struggles in ways every day that many of us just can't even imagine, can take his life and make the most of every opportunity, what might God be calling you to do? What might be calling, you know, think about that. It's so inspiring. It was funny, turned it on this year, CNN Heroes, and it didn't even start yet, and I looked over my wife, she was crying. And I'm like, honey, it hasn't even started yet. And we're like, by the end, we're just both like bawling because there's something that touches us when someone else makes the most of their opportunity, right? When they've made the most of that. I just, I love that example. Therefore, Paul says, do not be foolish. Pretty simple. Thanks, Paul. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to choose. Some of you will think of those pictures that we just showed, right? Don't be foolish. So we got to be wise. How do you do that, Paul? Next phrase. Understand what the Lord's will is. Understands what the Lord's will is. Okay? Now, some of you are like, okay, that sounds simple, but how do I know what that is? Because I don't turn on, like, you know, I don't ask Siri or Alexa and say, hey, what's God's will for me today? And it just tells me. That would be so cool, wouldn't it? It's God's will today. That'd be an upgrade. Um, so what's the Lord's will? Do this with me. Say the, let's say the Lord's Prayer together, for those of you that know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop right there. That last phrase. What did we just say? Thy kingdom come. Okay. God's kingdom come coming. God, Jesus is saying, pray that God's kingdom would come and that you would see it and recognize it and you could live in God's kingdom. What's God's kingdom? Next phrase. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is the same thing as God's will being done right here. Here's the key. You make the most of your time when every day you're looking for an opportunity for your life to do God's will. Did you get, let me say that one more time. Every day you wake up in the morning and you have a chance and in the midst of this community, you're always asking the question, how do I do God's will? I do God's will by living in God's kingdom. Where's God's kingdom? It's where God is acting, where God is working, where goodness is being done. And I can't do that alone. I have to do that together. I need to be inspired by a group of people that say, we're going to do this together because we're living in some tough times. And I want to be involved in God's kingdom, not my own. Here's the challenge. Every day when I wake up, I'm tempted to live in my own kingdom. That's foolishness. Foolishness is to live in the kingdom where Michael Bischoff is in charge. 
where I'm saying, I'm going to do what I want to do today, what I think is best. The best and wisest thing you can do is to try to figure out every single day what God's kingdom is up to. Because God's kingdom is at work all around you. You just have to look. You have to listen. You have to pay attention. You have to notice what's going on in God's kingdom. Start by just praying, God, help me to see your kingdom today. I promise you, if you pray that prayer, God, show me your kingdom today. By that night, you will go to bed and go, I think I saw something different. I think I heard something. I think I experienced something. I think I met someone that was an example of what God is doing in his kingdom. I just haven't been doing a very good job paying attention. I need to notice. I need to put on a different set of glasses, okay? There's a little bit of a skill involved here. There's a little bit of discipline involved here. But it's so, so important to be able to live in that place. And then Paul kind of wraps it up with these few verses, and they kind of feel like they're a bit disconnected, but they're part of the passage, so let me just share them. He says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And you say, it's kind of weird. How does that have to do with what we just talked about? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what's up with all that? Go back to the city of Ephesus, okay? In the city of Ephesus, there were multitudes of gods that they worshipped, okay? And the god Dionysius was one of those gods, okay? Dionysius was the god of wine, the god of wine. And intoxication with wine combined with dancing and music was the method of choice for getting to the desired state of enthusiasm, if you weren't excited about your life, if you were kind of down, if you were bummed, if bad things were going on, hey, kind of sounds like a Friday night. What do you do? Hey, let's find some music. Let's find some dancing. Let's have some wine. And, and then they mixed in a lot of kind of pagan worship and orgies and stuff like that just to throw it in. That was a Friday night in Ephesus, okay? Paul knew that. So when he's talking about don't get drunk on wine, he's not saying don't drink, He's saying, don't do what those that are lost and have no hope and don't understand their calling and are basically throwing away their lives for some temporary experience are doing. Don't do that. Now, why would Christians be involved with something like this? Do we ever do that today? I think maybe today the application is, are you doing anything to kind of numb, distract yourself, anesthetize the pain? escape because it's too hard. And Paul's just saying, you know what? Don't do that. Don't use some external means of numbing the pain because there's so much goodness that's out there. Instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. See, because you can be filled with wine and that'll control you in one way or another. Or you can be filled with the Spirit, and that same influence is going to permeate every cell in your being and help you to understand what it means to make the most of your time because the days are evil. Pay attention. Make the most of that time. You're called to be different. I want you to do this for a minute. Close your eyes and picture what the church can be like at its best. So I don't want you to picture just yourself. I want you to picture yourself, your family, your friends, your community, your life group if you're a part of a group, um, your neighborhood, 
the folks that you're part of with branches, people that are near and dear to you, okay? I want you to picture yourself in community. What can the church be like at its best? I just want you to think, God, what, what can I look like? What do I see? Is there something you're asking me to walk into? I know I'm called. What should I walk into? How do I move away from lack of wisdom, foolishness, to wisdom? Is there a picture that comes into your mind of something God's calling you to do? Hopefully some of you have a picture of what that calling is and how to walk into that. If you don't, if you don't, that's okay. Um, let me give you a couple examples of pictures here. Maybe be a little bit inspiring to you. Any of you recognize this one? 2014, the Oscars. Ellen DeGeneres was hosting, and she did something really spontaneous. Okay? She took her phone, happened to be a Samsung phone, no accident there, for the Samsung uh, promoters there at that time. And she just rushes over, and she takes this selfie. Okay? They take this selfie together, and then she immediately posts it to Twitter, and there's three million retweets, more than any point in history had ever been done. Three million retweets, like almost instantly. Um, and now Samsung, um, the phone was the phone that was used for this, which, which she did, and they prominently displayed their brand on everything that went out there. And here's what the Samsung PR people acknowledged. They, they never came out exactly and said, but they said this photo that got retweeted three million times almost instantly was probably worth $1 billion dollars. That's the result of what happened because Ellen decided to take that picture. Now, I say that for this reason. A picture is worth a thousand words, right? A picture is very powerful. I think we need a picture in our heads of a calling, of a calling of what God might be calling you to do, right? To make the most of the time, to move from unwisdom to wisdom, to be wise, to begin walking the way God wants us to walk. A picture is worth so much. Here's another picture. Time Magazine published this again. Probably many of you saw this picture when it came out because it went kind of viral all around the internet. Time Magazine called this the photograph that opened borders. It happened in 2015. The war in Syria had been going on for already four years or so. And this is a little Alan Curdy. Alan Curdy, three years old. Him and his five-year-old brother and mom and dad got in an inflatable boat. And they weren't even in Syria anymore. They had already gotten out of Syria. They'd escaped from there, and they were going from the coast of Turkey to the Greek island of Kos. And they got in this little raft that was only like a three-mile trip, and a wave capsized their little inflatable boat. And mom and, and both kids died. And little Alan washed up on shore. And this image became the defining photograph of this ongoing war that at that point had killed like 220,000 people. I don't know what that does to you when you see a picture like that. Well, I got to live for three years. That was it. But I know what Paul meant when he said the days are evil. So you've got to make the most of the time. 
it's a little bit morose ending with a picture like that, but I wanted you to have something in your mind that you realize, man, there's not a lot of time. What might God be calling you to do? I say that because I really believe there's something in every one of us that God is calling, that sometimes it's not till you just get inspired enough, um, resourced enough, uh, mad enough, energized enough, close enough to God, or someone just says, can you go take what God's given you and use it, please? Because that's such a good thing to do. And that's what's in Ephesians. You've got all this stuff. Go back and read Ephesians 1 to 3 if you don't believe it. You gotta believe it, it's your calling. Are you gonna live it out? Are you gonna live it out? My prayer for each of you, and each of you as a community, that you would strengthen each other to realize you've got a calling to move forward and to make a difference with your life. I'm gonna pray that God puts a picture in your mind of something that maybe you've never even done before, a way you need to take a risk, a way you need to step out. Maybe you've been a little bit too comfortable Maybe 2017 is the year that God's saying to you, you've got to walk into your calling and you've got a whole church of people that are here to work with you. And God wants you to do something absolutely amazing. But to you, you know what? It's not amazing. It's you because God knows you can do it because God's already called you to do it and given you everything you need to do it. Do you believe that? I know you believe it about other people. Because when we put the picture of the CNN hero on it, you're like, oh, that's awesome. So glad he can do that. I'm so glad they can do it. The question is, do you believe it about yourself? Father, help us to believe about ourselves, what you believe about us. Forgive us for when we doubt and when we forget and when we escape and when we're lazy and when our will gets in the way and the distractions and our experiences and all the other things that we can use as excuses. And may we just be inspired today by this little letter that's circulated around an ancient Turkish town a couple thousand years ago. Inspire us with a picture of how you want us to walk as wise, to make the most of our time. In Jesus' name, amen. you guys know I asked him to be uh, my pastor. When he told us to some stand up, some sit down, some, I can't remember all the directions, but when you guys were yelling or saying what was wrong, like I wanted to yell from the back, but I talked too much. I didn't want to say anything. You know how that goes, right? Like you want to say something, but you don't say it. But now I get the mic and I wanted to yell incomplete. Like something just didn't feel right because we were all going in different directions. And when he talks about that gap, that gap between calling and living, like it's incomplete. Can you put up the song? I'm going to close with this. The, it's, it's your breath in our lungs. Like obviously that song has been very big for me this past couple years. And with that, something I never saw before that I saw for the first time as Drew was leading us. It's his breath in our lungs. All of it's his, like we're borrowing it. And he's given it up to, giving it to all of us to use for his purposes. And if we truly know that it's from him, then it's so much easier to follow him and then we're all going in the same direction and there's something that's just more complete. So I wanna pray 
that his spirit truly would rule and that we would all be able to say and live out in unison, yes, Lord, we welcome you here in us. We, we belong to you. Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done. May it be that we are all joined together by your Holy Spirit, by your spirit, by your breath, and then it will lead us out to set things right. There are so many images we saw this morning that were right and so many that were so wrong. Use us together, unite us together, intent on one purpose, to love you and to love those around us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Be blessed um, and especially look to bless. And some of you would be a blessing to your children if you don't leave them back there. And you'll be a blessing to the leaders back there if you'd help them clean up. So I know you want to pick up chairs, but if some of you could go help with the kids, that'd be great.